0: Hello and welcome to High Heels and Heartache. I'm your host, Kendall Ann Combs. Thank you so much for tuning in. And a big, huge thank you to everybody who has bought my book, What I Wish I Knew, Surviving and Thriving After an Abusive Relationship. We are an Amazon bestseller. Woohoo! So thank you so much for everyone who's purchased it. If you haven't read it yet, go grab it from Amazon or call your local library and tell them to order it so you can read it. And if you have read it, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review or a rating, that's really the best way for other survivors of abuse and domestic violence to find the book um, so they can get all the great resources in it. So again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. It it means the world to me. All right. On today's episode, (laughs) I interview Shelly Pumphrey and we talk about what to do if your friend or a coworker or a loved one is in a toxic or unhealthy or abusive relationship, what do you do? So coming right up, Shelly Pumphrey. everybody. I'm here with Shelly Pumphrey. Hey Shelly. Hello Kendall and everybody. Thanks so much for being on the show. I'm so excited to have you. I'm super
1: excited to be here. I, I love your podcast and the topics you cover so I feel honored
0: to to be here today. Thank you so much. That really means a lot to me. Thank you for saying that. So before we really dive into the topic of have you ever been annoyed with a friend <laughs> that couldn't seem to leave their horrible partner um when i was looking at your website you have so much going on like you really are doing a lot so tell me about like your experience with you know abuse or toxic relationships and how did that set you out on this path to help others
1: yeah um well, yes, I do have a lot going on. And, you know, what I will say about how did I get set on this path is it was both professional and personal. And mm-hmm. I've been a therapist really my whole adult life. So I've got about 30 years of clinical experience. And one of my very first jobs, it was actually an internship um in college in like my undergrad studies was working at a domestic violence shelter so working with relationship abuse has been you know near and dear to my heart since mm-hmm. in, you know I was young and it started when i was even a kid living at home where i watched my mom um being mm. abused by my stepdad And experiencing that from, you know, the standpoint of being a victim or a witness to domestic violence, you know, really got that kind of ingrained in my being. Mm -hmm. And then I found myself in several relationships throughout my adult life where I was attracting narcissistic partners or toxic partners. And, you know, I found myself just in this complete conundrum of like, How on earth can I be a therapist and know so much about, you know, these toxic kinds of situations? How can I help others heal from this? And I'd done so much work on myself. I did all this therapy to heal my trauma. I was like trying to figure out, am I just super codependent I can't change this? But somehow, no matter, you know, despite all of that, I was finding myself in yet another relationship with a narcissistic person and I mm-hmm. just couldn't believe it so I really set out to do even deeper work and really look at the research and understand why you know if somebody like me who has a lot of education and experience working with this can get caught in these relationships you know of course a lot of people can have the situation too and they may not even be able to spot You know, a narcissist right off the bat or something. So that was really my goal was to figure this out and to really help women get clear and learn how to trust themselves so they can protect themselves from these kinds of relationships.
0: Oh wow. That's that's really interesting. And and you know what? I always find that as someone who goes to therapy, (laughs) I always find that you know, people who've experienced the the kind of thing that that I'm recovering from that those, the, the therapists that had that experience, they were always so good. Like they just had insight into things that, um, that I hadn't really thought about before because they sort of see it from both sides. Right. So you're probably a heck of a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's hope I at least have a few skills. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Okay. So we've all kind of, been in this position before, right? If you have a friend and the friend is in, you know, a toxic relationship or they have a horrible partner, like what do you do to help yourself with just like being like burnt out and annoyed by it?
1: Well, I think that it's important for people to understand that if you have that friend, you know you've got to kind of look at what's coming up you know for you in this first of all mm. is it do you you know do you have your own trauma mm-hmm. with toxic relationships because if we haven't worked on our own stuff then we can get really triggered by what's going on with a friend but you know really the bigger thing is is to understand that somebody that's going through a toxic relationship is going to have a lot, you know, a very different experience than somebody that's going through just your normal breakup or they're just like kind of, you know, the, the relationship is kind of petering out because maybe they're not very compatible. Okay. And so somebody in a toxic relationship who's being traumatized by their partner, often what happens is they will... We kind of what we call this in the like the clinical world is like a trauma replay. And okay. what they may do is they may call you every day mm-hmm. and tell you about the horrible thing that they experienced. And they may tell you, you know, story after story. And then as the friend, you're like, oh my God, why? why are you staying? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Why are you, why can't you see what this partner is doing to you? But that what's happening is they're, you know, when somebody's being abused and traumatized, retelling the story again and again is their way of trying to figure it out and to gain kind of a sense of understanding or or mastery over it. We'd like to say, but it can also just be like, sometimes when we've been through a trauma, our brain wants to like, it gets kind of stuck in this loop of replaying it and having like a flashback of it, like we're re-experiencing the trauma again and again. So that, you know, just that is really important for a person to understand, like if your friend's doing that, that's actually a symptom of trauma versus hmm. they're just being, you know, blind to what's going on in the relationship.
0: Hmm. So it's not like they're calling you to to talk to you about, you know, that their husband leaves his wet towels on the floor or whatever. (laughs) They're actually kind of like replaying their trauma to you. Yes. I mean, especially if you're hearing things, you know,
1: just not my husband just left his towel on the floor, but you're hearing really toxic behaviors and abusive behaviors. That's where you know that it's likely a trauma symptom that your friend is experiencing.
0: Okay. So what, what should we like look for? Like, what would be, you know, stories that we should be like, uh Oh, that seems toxic or abusive. Mm -hmm. Like, are are there certain patterns we should be looking for? Well, you know, one of the things
1: that, that people tend to experience in these toxic relationships, especially especially if they're with a narcissist is gaslighting. Mm -hmm. And what gaslighting is, is when, you know, the, the toxic partner will turn things around on, you know, your friend, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, where the friend might, you know, like a great example is let's say the friend, you know, your friend sees some texts between, you know, her husband and another woman,
0: mm-hmm. and she
1: gets suspic- suspicious and asks her husband about it. And her husband gets really angry and turns it back on her and says, you're crazy. You're so jealous. What's wrong with you? How dare you get into my phone? You know, let me be a free person. And then your friend is like, you know, she comes to you and it's like, God, do you think I'm a jealous person? You know what happens in that gaslighting moment is it gets turned back on this person and they're feeling like the crazy one. They're Mm. questioning their reality. They're questioning like, oh my gosh, what just happened? What did I do? Mm -hmm. And so it's these moments where the tables get turned and they come back and kind of attack you or make you feel crazy. Like some, you know, like, you know, even just denying things that are, you know, there's no denying that it happened. Like they will Mm -hmm. literally lie. Like you can say the sky's blue and they'll say, no, the sky's actually green. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just crazy making behavior. So that's That's a big thing to watch out for. Um, And then, of course, things like lying, cheating, um, you know, obvious things like they're physically abusing them or sexually abusing them, uh, controlling their money, not letting Uh them have access to money, um, you know, doing things like taking away, you know, using their kids as weapons or, you know, like trying to turn the kids against them or Mm -hmm. not letting them see the kids or not helping at all with the kids
0: Um,
1: or maybe abusing the kids too, or, you know, emotionally or physically. So, um, you know, parenting can come into this as well if there are kids in this relationship. Um, and then there's just kind of the things that you might see in this person, like, you know, some people will see the part, you know, the, your friend's partner, like, it's clear they're a total jerk Mm -hmm. or that you can see the narcissism, like they're very, think they're better than everybody. They need a lot of admiration. They're very arrogant or entitled, you know, sometimes it can be really obvious to people, Mm -hmm. but Sometimes what can happen is your friend might be telling you all these horrible things about their partner, but you know, the partner and you're like, wow, that doesn't seem true because he seems like the best person in the world. He's so Mm -hmm. kind and he's, you know, he, he, he's so nice to everybody. I can't, I don't even believe these things that she's telling me. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is, you know, if this is your friend and they're telling you these experiences and you're seeing a different person, trust your friend. Yeah. Because narcissists in particular and sociopaths can be very charismatic. They can look really good on the surface and especially in like short amounts of time with all the friends, but the person that's living with them and seeing them all the time could very likely be experiencing this other side of their personality that can be incredibly
0: critical and abusive and um you know just challenging to be around i'm so glad that you said that shelly because like one thing that i always say about my abuser is if you sat next to him at a bar and had a beer with him you would think he was a great guy yes So, okay. So, 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 so far, like what I'm hearing is we should, we should really be listening to what our friends are saying. So one of the things would be, maybe there's gaslighting here. If we get the sense that their partner is kind of like concocting an alternate universe, right. Mm Then, then what your friend is experiencing. And the second thing is even if maybe our interactions with our friend's partner haven't been negative, or we haven't, you know, like gotten the feeling that they're a narcissist or whatever, that if our friend is telling us the things that are going on in that relationship, we should believe them.
1: Yes. Yes. You summed it up very well.
0: Great. Now here's another question. Is there anything like if our friends aren't telling us Um, Like that was, I I did not tell anybody about you know what was happening in my abusive relationship. Is there anything that we should be looking for in our friends if they're not verbally telling us about what's going on in their relationship?
1: Well, I think you know if you start to see changes in your friend because they're you know when they've been in a relationship, so some some red flags would be that they're isolating more. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's, this can be a little tricky because, you know, when we are single, we might spend a lot more time with our friends, but, you know, it's really natural for somebody to spend more time with a new partner, Mm -hmm. especially in the beginning, you know, when you're like all in love and that's all (laughs) you want to do. But if they seem to be really isolated and they're just, you know, every time they make a plan with you, they cancel, or even if they make some comments like, well, so-and-so, you know, my partner won't let me go. um, That's definitely a red flag because a lot of times, a lot of times abusers will isolate their victims Mm -hmm. and try to keep them away from friends and family. Um, Or if you ever see like, you know, just, suspicious behavior when you are out and you happen to see this partner Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe your friend just kind of writes it off or denies it but you actually witness some controlling behavior or you witness the partner putting them down or criticizing them or making even little subtle passive-aggressive jokes about them that that you know to you you see it like that that's a hurtful thing to your friend but your friend is kind of like blowing it off. Mm -hmm. Those are some things to look at. Um, But I also think that looking at, I mean, this is kind of hard because you really have to know what trauma looks like Mm -hmm. in a person. But if your friend starts to change, like they seem more depressed or Mm. when you talk to them, um, you know, maybe they're describing that they're having a lot of anxiety, like they Um, you know, sometimes people will say I'm having a panic attack, you know, whether, whether, you know, sometimes we just lightly say panic attack and it's not everybody's job to know what an actual panic attack looks like, but, you know, maybe they're feeling more anxious, maybe, Mm -hmm. um, you know people that experience trauma start to have a lot of different symptoms and that could be that they are either getting really emotionally dysregulated when things oh. trigger them so they might you know get really upset or feel really frightened or scared you know when things certain things trigger them or they might shut down and be avoiding a lot of feelings or things that remind them of traumatic events so just generally seeing some personality changes since the per- your friend has been with this partner is something to pay attention to.
0: So like if our friend generally seems more anxious or depressed or maybe even irritable, like those are things that we should kind of watch out for, even if they're not telling us. Yes. Got and it, granted, some
1: it. of that could come from another place, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe there's other, there's other factors, like, especially if you're just seeing kind of general things like this, like my friend just seems more depressed, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, pay attention. And it's just when you start to kind of put some pieces together, like, do, is there something off with this partner? Mm-hmm. You know, does it seem like it could be connected to this relationship? That's where you, you know, you would, I would want to start talking to my friend and. You know, this is something I think is so important. I, How many times, I, maybe you've experienced, I know I've seen this a lot with women. People will talk, like a group of friends will talk and everybody will say, God, I can't stand so-and-so's boyfriend, he's such a jerk. Mm-hmm. But none of us will say it to the friend that's with him. <laughs> You're right. Ladies, we have to stop doing that. We have to have each other's backs. And we like we get so protective of our friends' feelings like we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, mm-hmm. but we have to be honest with each other. and don't say it in front of the boyfriend, obviously or the husband. but you know some I've heard crazy things like you know, a bunch of women will know that this woman's husband is cheating and nobody wants to say it to her. Oh, why why do we do that to each other? Uh-huh. you know so if you happen to be a woman that experiences that, or, if you're a man that's listening to this too, that's uh I don't want to be just about women here, but <laughs> we have we have to have each other's backs. Mm-hmm. It's so important to be honest and take your friend aside and say, Hey, I'm seeing this. Are you seeing it? Is this something you've experienced? And worry more about their well-being than about hurting their feelings,
0: mm-hmm. Okay. so that was my next question about, you know, like, all right, we we think that our friend is in a toxic relationship because they've told us <laughs> or we've kind of maybe figured it out and now it now is it really like our our place to bring it up how do we bring it up what do we say like h- how do we go about that because i know for me like i get worried about two things number 1 if my if my friend would get upset with me And number two, if they really are in like an unhealthy and unsafe situation, is my saying something about it, does that even isolate them more?
1: Well, I think it's being very careful about saying it to them in a safe place where you're not around the partner. Uh And, you know, there's a way to say it where you know, you can just share, like, "Hey, I love you. I'm really concerned. These are some things I'm seeing." And, you know, what I would say is invite them to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something that can happen is, you know, if if a friend gets defensive about it, you know, sometimes people that are in a toxic relationship, when they develop what we call a trauma bond. They can feel very protective of that partner, even if they're being abused. And
0: so can you tell us mm -hmm. what a trauma bond is? Yes.
1: So a trauma bond is something that happens when somebody is in a toxic or abusive relationship. And, you know, one of the things that happens with the person that's being abused is they develop what we call cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. And what happens with that is where they see kind of two sides to their partner. They see this Jekyll and Hyde personality and, you know, in our mind, if we're the one being abused, we see, you know, we have this experience of like, oh my gosh, I'm, I, you know, when my partner is so loving and caring and, you know, they do all this love bombing mm-hmm. where, you know, they shower you with praise and attention and love and apologies. But then you see this really horrible side that's extremely abusive or critical or mean. And it's like, it for you, your brain can't make sense of it because there's just two different sides here and you have to choose one like what happens with cognitive dissonance it's like you have two conflicting realities in your mind and you have to choose one of them because they don't like they're too incongruent with each other
0: oh and and they and they kind of like can't both exist at once right exactly oh exactly got it got it got it yeah And what happens with that
1: is it creates a lot of anxiety when you know that, like you, you have these two ideas in your mind and you know that one is, you know, they're just complete opposites of each other. And so to relieve that internal anxiety, you decide to focus on one belief or the other. So I, I either believe my, I love my partner or I believe I fear my partner. Mm. You know, I believe that he's, a knight in shining armor, or I believe he's a terrorist. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in a trauma bond, a lot of the time you're holding on to that, you know, even though your partner's abused you, your mind goes into that, but I love him, I can't leave him. He's, you know, he's my knight in shining, shining armor. Look at all the great things he does. Even though there are those moments where you're abused and you're terrified. And, you know, the mind will just keep you stuck in that um, pattern. And there's also just a lot of kind of trauma dynamics that go into this that can keep a person stuck. Um, We could have a whole other podcast about that. (laughs) Um, But it's, you know, this is why, you you know, when you're like sitting here thinking, if you're the friend, seeing your friend in a toxic relationship and you're like, I don't get how she can't just leave this person. It is so complex. Mm-hmm. It is not that easy to just up and leave because they, you know, the toxic partner wears you down. Mm-hmm. They manipulate you. The psychological abuse is so intense sometimes that you lose your bearing. You mm-hmm. lose a sense of yourself and you don't, you know, there's a part of you that knows you need to leave, but there's another part of you that thinks you need to stay.
0: Mm-hmm. So, once we've kind of seen, okay, this there's there's cognitive dissonance, it's creating this, you know, trauma bond. We're going to maybe pull them aside and have a conversation with them that's very <laughs> open and should is that when like we give them the chance to kind of like confirm that maybe our suspicions are right? Like what what's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, I think that I think that's a good way to go about it and mm-hmm. I I really like the uh, you know just to keep the the intention of this conversation as one of curiosity and compassion and you know that it's an invitation mm-hmm. for your friend to share.
0: Okay, so we're not coming in hot. Like, no. hey, <laughs> hey, you, I think that you should dump him. And here is, hold on, let me get out my phone because I've made uh, some notes in the note notes app about yeah. <laughs> all right? the things that they've done wrong. Yeah. So if we're coming more from a place of like, you know, hey, Shelly, like, I, I really love you and I really want you to be happy, but I'm sort of seeing these things and it's making me concerned. Is this something that, you know, like you want to talk about? Is that a good way to to go about it?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think some of it depends on the relationship. You know, everybody has different personalities. So Mm -hmm. maybe you have that relationship with your friend where you can just be super direct and just tell it, you know, say it like it is. Mm -hmm. If that's what works for the two of you, fine. But I think you know, sharing with concern and compassion for your friend is is
0: probably a nice, gentle way to do this. Okay. So that leads me to my next question. What should we not do? <laughs>
1: yeah. Great question. <laughs> you know, I think that, you know, be careful of blaming your friend mm-hmm. um, or shaming them. And, you know, shaming is where you're doing a lot of shoulds. Like, okay, just leave him. Mm -hmm. You should see this, you know, be careful about judging your friends and letting, you know, giving them any idea that they're doing this wrong. Okay. You know, like, I think it's about respecting their journey and respecting the fact that they are probably traumatized and very stuck in this. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, it's just, Again, it's that invitation, like here, I, I I, want you to talk to me. I'm open. I can hear it. And is there anything I can do to help you feel supported in this? Do you feel, if you feel like you can't leave, is there something I can do to help you find resources to leave? Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, you need to leave. You need to get your kids out of there. That kind of stuff can really you know, if, if the person is really trauma bonded or afraid to leave, they may push away from you even more and want to isolate because it's too scary for them to think about leaving.
0: And I really like it that you brought up like words not to use because that Mm -hmm. that could really help us frame it correctly. Right? Like if we go Mm -hmm. in and we say, I'm not going to use the word should, I'm not going to say you need. So if, if, it's almost like if we're taking those words out of our vocabulary for this conversation, it immediately puts us in that place, as you were saying before, which is of curiosity. And like it's not like we're trying to control our friend where we just care about them and we're curious about what's going on. Yes. Yes, exactly. So do you have any other tips about what we, now I'm going to say what we should do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think,
1: um, I think it's just, um, I think that's kind of the basics of it. I, you know, I think it's just staying open and letting them know that you're there for them, checking in with them, especially if you notice that they're isolating, don't just pull back and let that happen. I would just continue to try to stay in touch with the friend. You know, just send them a text. And it doesn't always have to be about the relationship. It's just, hey, how are you doing today? I'm thinking about you. Mm -hmm. Hey, do you want to go out and, you know, grab dinner, grab a drink one night? Just continuing to be there for them and not letting them kind of disappear into a cave of isolation is a really great thing to remember. Um, And, you know, it's, you could also, I think you have to be really cautious, especially if they might be in danger. Mm. Um, of text messages that you're sending because if they have a partner that could be watching their phone or, or checking their emails, I would be very cautious of what you write in messages and maybe keep it really generic.
0: That's a great point. And save point. any
1: kind of communication for like verbally doing it in person. Um, You know, I would be really careful if you think that the partner,
0: you know, could be, doing any of that kind of stuff. That's a really great point. That's really good. So now here's my next question. And this is sort of one that, that I think a lot of people will struggle with. Let's say we've noticed, you know, these toxic behaviors. We've tried to have an open and honest conversation with our, our friends. And they basically are, they, they, they don't want to go. And I don't know how to say this right, but like at some point we sort of have to protect ourselves, right? Like if we're being like emotionally invested in helping our friends and they they don't, they can't leave for whatever reason, what do we do then? Like how do we protect ourselves while not, you know, I don't know how else to say this, but like feeding our friend to the wolves.
1: Yeah, I think at some point, like if you just feel like, it's just this kind of impossible situation, Mm -hmm. you might have to pull back and let go. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as we don't want to see our friends get hurt, I, you know, I think that at some point you have to realize that we are all on our own journeys. Mm -hmm. You know, the only time that I would say that you might want to intervene is if, you know, if you, first of all, if there are kids under 18 that are, that you believe are being abused Mm-hmm. And your friend is not doing something about it. That is a that's a time when I would intervene and let somebody know. If you, if you think that kids are, you know, definitely being physically hurt or sexually hurt in any way, then you know, I would call child protection or call the police and let them know as hard of a decision as that might be, you want to protect those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of worst case scenario. Um, but you know, if your friend is really just unable to do it you might have to just let go Mm -hmm. and and let them live their their life make their choices but you can do it in a way where you can let them know hey I'm here for you you know whenever you want to come back I'll be here
0: and because I know just from personal experience it is kind of draining when a friend calls you to tell you about you know their, their toxic partner. And it feels like you're having the same conversation over and over uh, and over. Yeah. So if that's happening, like, how can you sort of, I don't know, switch it from being like, to, to get them in the mindset, as long as it's, you know, safe, as long as they're not physically, you know, going to be harmed. Is there anything that, that you can do to kind of try to help them see the forest through the trees? Yeah. Well, I think,
1: you know, if that continues and you're just, you know, you're feeling drained, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know that feeling, you know, (laughs) one thing that I would do is just say, Hey, you know, I love you. I want to be here for you, but I also have to set my boundaries to take Mm -hmm. care of myself. And I would suggest that you get a therapist to talk Mm -hmm. to because Mm -hmm. I cannot be your therapist.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a great. You point. know, there
1: might be a nicer way to say that, but <laughs> I think you know, there's a way to say, "Hey, you know, I think you need to talk to somebody." Mm-hmm. Um, you could also, you know, give your friend a book. And again, this is something like, be careful. Don't give them a book about narcissistic abuse if you think they're going to take it home and <laughs> their partner going to find it. That, that might be something to consider. But, you know, you could always give them some resources and try to redirect them to somebody that could help them. A therapist, you know, somebody online. There's a ton of books out there about narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships. You know, so try to kind of take all the pressure off of you to be their, their go-to person if it's really feeling that heavy for you. That's and it could get idea. that way. It really
0: can. Yeah. Okay. So now let's say we've had the conversation with our friend. Our friend is like, oh my God, Shelly, you are so right. Like, this is not the relationship for me. While they kind of transition out of that relationship, what is the way that we can support them best? Because as you said before, it's not just like a relationship that peters out, right? Like right. if they're in this relationship with a toxic person after they leave as, as their friend, what can we do to make sure that they, that we're supporting them properly?
1: I think it's a lot of what I've already said. It's, it's being there for them, allowing them to call you or text you when they need to. You know, one thing that I think is really helpful, um, you know, one of the things that happens when people are trying to leave these relationships is they end up going back. And, you mm-hmm. know, there's an interesting statistic that says that a woman it's like when somebody tries to leave an abusive relationship, it takes an average of seven times Mm. of trying to leave before they actually leave completely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's because of the dynamics of these trauma bonds and, and, the other part that happens is, especially with narcissists, they do something called hoovering, where they will try to suck the, you know, the fever, like old hoover <laughs> vacuum, if you're old enough to know what those are. Um, I should say like dysoning. Um, they will Dyson you back in. <laughs> to the relationship with promises to do better or i'm going to go to therapy i'm going to change i love you and so often you know when somebody's really traumatized and and not sure about their decision to leave they can get sucked back in so if that is happening to your friend that's when you don't want to throw in the towel Mm -hmm. on them. Know Mm -hmm. that it is part of the process and it is so hard. This is, again, it's not your typical breakup. And so just reminding your friend that, hey, I really... you know, I don't necessarily think this is the best idea for you, but this is your life, but I will be here for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and just kind of being that steady rock for them. But what I was going to say is a nice thing that you can offer is to tell your friend that if you, if you feel super lonely, if you feel the temptation to text or call your partner, even if it's at 2 AM, call me first. Mm -hmm. Text me first. Let me be the person so that you don't get tempted to go back to them.
0: Shelly, that is so funny that you said that because um, (laughs) when I I was not my abuser, but I was going through um, like a a breakup with someone who was pretty toxic and I changed their name in my phone to say, call Gretchen because Gretchen is my best friend. (laughs) I've I've done a similar thing. I've changed it to... I won't even use the words that I did
1: because it's probably (laughs) not appropriate for this, but something like, do not pick up this text or phone call, something like that. But yes, such a
0: great idea. Okay. So we are, so we're, once they leave, we're understanding that if it is a highly toxic person, like a narcissist, that they are going to be Dyson or <laughs> Hoover. So we're, we're not going to be like judgmental about that. We're going to offer to, to be there, you know, no matter what, if they feel like talking to the, to the toxic person, they can always call us. Now here's, here's the thing that, that I always struggle with. Like, are we supposed to, after they leave that person, like tell the truth about how we were feeling when they were with them? Like, I don't want to do like a data dump on a friend. Mm. Like, oh, I don't want to get out that notes app again. Right. Like, yeah. Like what, how should we kind of do that? Like communicate that we're glad that they're out, but not just like dump all of it on the person. Yeah. Well,
1: I think there's a way to prevent that question from even happening by being honest with your friend from the beginning, you know, Mm kind of, like I said, like, Don't keep all these secrets in there. I I think it's, I think it's really hard if you leave this abusive relationship and the whole time, you know, if you are the victim, you're doubting yourself, you're feeling crazy. You know, the narcissist or the toxic person is trying to make you seem like you're the bad, horrible human being. And then you get, you finally find the strength to leave. And then your friends come to you and say, oh, we saw it all along. He was horrible. How, how? Horrible. Does that feel?
0: Yeah, that you know, would not like feel we good. We <laughs> need,
1: if we are seeing that as the friend, we mm-hmm. need to be telling our our friend that mm-hmm. because I, it's a really. I mean, I've had that experience before personally, and I was just like, God, please, just don't do that. Tell me up front. You know, my friends know that now, mm-hmm. but um, so I think yes be honest from the beginning in the, in a kind, compassionate way. Mm -hmm. But if you do get to the end where, you know, you haven't shared everything, I think, you know, I would be very careful about how you share things. And it might be like in those little teachable moments or, you know, where you're having a conversation with your friend and she says, Oh, you know, so he did this to me. If you have something to share to maybe validate her, experience. Okay. That might be good to share like, yeah, I really saw that one time. I totally get what you're talking about. Um, you know, I think any kind of validation to help her trust herself and her experience and not feel so crazy is going to be yeah. helpful.
0: Oh, I love that. That's such a great idea. And I was also thinking maybe, you know, let's say once we start spending time again with our friend, because if, you know, they're leaving this toxic relationship, then they probably are going to have more free time. Um, Like if, if I'm out to dinner or I'm out getting drinks, is it okay for me to say like, you know what? I'm, I'm so glad that we're doing this again, because when you were in a relationship with Bob or whoever, like we really didn't see each other that much. Is that something that's okay to say? I don't want them to feel guilty.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's fine.
0: Okay. Um,
1: just, and again, you know, there's a way to say it with, without you shaming the person, You know, like saying it the way you said it, I don't know, to me, that sounds really nice, Mm -hmm. you know, but there, you could say it in a different way of like, God, I, I really felt abandoned by you when you weren't, (laughs) you know, I mean, and of course people can react to different things based on our own stuff. We have our stuff that gets in the way, no matter how nice somebody might you know, phrase something, people can get triggered. Yeah. But I think just, you know, that's a gentle, nice way to just give her some reassurance that you really like her company and, you know, want her back in your life.
0: Yeah. So overall, if we are annoyed with our friend that can't seem to leave their horrible partner, if you had to give me like one bullet point of how to handle it, what would it be? be compassionate. I love that. That's so great. Yeah.
1: Just trust that she is having a hard time and doesn't, you know, it it is super confused and traumatized and doubting herself. And the more that we can have compassion for that and not judge it Mm -hmm. and just be at the rock for our friend, the better it will be.
0: Mm -hmm. That's great advice. Thank you. All right. So on kind of the same line as being compassionate, you're writing like a whole book that's super compassionate that's going to be out soon. So it's called Insight is 2020, How to Trust Your Gut and Protect Yourself from Narcissists, Bullies, and Toxic People. So tell us about that book. That's so awesome. Yeah,
1: I'm super excited. Um, It will be out the end of May. uh, And it's Basically, what I did with this book is I talked about in using int- what I call internal and external red flags, so Ooh. that you people can learn how to avoid that hindsight is twenty twenty moment. You know, where we get <laughs> into the relationship, we're like, "Oh my god, I saw it all along. <laughs> Why did I do this?" But my goal is to help people know what to look for in a partner. You know, Mm -hmm. how do you spot the red flags in them, which are the external red flags, but more importantly are the internal red flags. And how do we learn how to listen to our bodies, our guts, our intuition, you know, how, how can we use that to help us navigate relationships and to know what is healthy and what's toxic. So that Mm -hmm. is what the book is all about. And it talks a lot about trauma and a lot of things that I've, um, learned as a therapist over the years so super excited to be able to
0: have that um as a
1: tool for people
0: yeah and once it comes out you'll have to come back on to talk all about it yeah i'd love to awesome well shelly thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today i learned a ton and i promise you from now on when i'm in this situation i will come from a place of compassion
1: love it thank you so much (laughs) it was a great time to, to talk about this
0: thanks Thank you once again to Shelly Pumphrey for stopping by. If you'd like more information on Shelly's book or to read her really great blog, please check the show notes um, because they are all linked right there. If you were in an unsafe or abusive relationship, there is help available. Please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at one 800 799 Seven two three three again that number is one eight hundred seven nine nine safe.